Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. I think it's the best show on the air ever that has been. It's weird how good it is. It's so strange. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, July 19, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 9-10 of the Biden-Harris administration, 474 days until the 24 presidential election. You can find me on Instagram, TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska threads. I think it's the Bob Seska over there, too, plus Patreon is BobSeskaShow.com. So we're taking a break from politics today in order to talk with two of my favorite musicians in the entire world, the great Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith, the duo responsible for what's become, at least to me, the greatest prog rock album ever. If you've been listening to the show at all recently, you've heard me praise their album Cosmologica. It's a spectacular volume of music, whether you're a prog aficionado or not. Recorded during the COVID quarantine and released in the fall of 2021, it's emotionally gorgeous, musically virtuosic, and literally every track is as great as the next. So today we're doing a deep dive into Cosmologica, and if you like what you hear, go to any of the digital music platforms, Apple Music, Bandcamp, etc., and download this into your record collection right now. Links in the description as always. Meantime, think about supporting this fully independent podcast by subscribing to our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. So this is me acting like a total fanboy with the great Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. Cersei, Christian, it's an extreme honor to talk with you today. So thank you for, for joining me. We're honored to be here. Thank you so much for uh, digging the record. So before we dig into the songs themselves, let's talk about origins. Uh, We'd be remiss, of course, if we didn't pay our respects to Christian's dad, the iconoclastic Mike Nesmith, of course. Christian, were you encouraged to become proficient in literally every instrument there is, or did you just pick them up on your own? I think it was a matter of uh, climate, you know, there was always kind always music in the house. There was an entire wall full of vinyl, which I had access to at a very early age and was encouraged to listen to anything and everything and did. And so uh, 
I started on piano, um, but then, you know, moved over to guitar, having seen Song Remains the Same. And, you know, <laughs> it was all over when I saw Jimmy up there doing his thing. It's like, man, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know if there was necessarily a direct encouragement. Uh, uh, it was just the natural thing to happen. All I have, a, I have three uh, other siblings and we are all musical. And so, um, yeah, that's a, a, a. It runs in the family. It does run in the family. Yes. However, I'm not, but but I'm not sure. You know, you always get asked the question when you're the offspring of someone famous: is it nature or nurture? Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I'm far more inclined to believe that it is nurture. Uh, but most specifically in my case, just because of my surroundings. Uh, yeah, just yeah. there was never not music. It's so rare for someone to be proficient, at, I mean, at this level, when it comes to just about every rock instrument there is. So well, proficient it, is certainly a relative term. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and you also have to uh, understand that so much of the instrumentation uh, is done with MIDI programming. Yeah. So uh, if to anybody who's familiar with that, there's a timeline that MIDI information in the form of little dots mm -hmm. gets programmed into your, your, your song. And so I get to go back and move the dots at will. Yeah. So anything that didn't sound all that good, I can then go make it sound as if I were a master. Yeah, but let me interject. It's still about composition. I mean, yes, yeah. uh, the the drum parts are, are difficult and interesting, but you still have to come up with the, the parts, that, yeah. you know, write them. The drum parts were all acoustic, right? I mean, you were playing on a full drum kit. Is that no? They're all programmed by me. They're all phony. Are you serious? Wow, I God, oh my God, the, the samples have become amazing these days. Well, I also have have experience as a as a uh, recording engineer, so yeah. um, uh, to try and get those mixes so it was sounding as live as possible. I've all, I also played drums as a kid for a little while, mm -hmm. so and uh, you know having you know, Bonham and Peart be, you know, superheroes of mine, uh, even though I wasn't even playing drums by that time. Uh, I, I was able to see inside those players and they, you know, they always inspired me. Um, and, uh, and also when you're programming drums, you're thinking like a drummer. So, you yeah. know, he'll talk about whether the left hand is uh, stronger or the right hand is and what the, what the feet are doing, if it's a double kick. I mean, he actually yeah. goes in and does that idea of composition while he's, while he's in there with those little dots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great to watch. I mean, I was completely fooled uh, because there are dynamics to them. I mean, it doesn't sound like every single snare hit is perfection. It's not like you're down to the micron when it comes to the timing of it. But I mean, obviously, it's uh, it, it's all amazing sounding. But if you really pay attention, it has those legitimate imperfections that you would hear, whether it was Neil Peart playing acoustic drums or Bill Bruford or Phil right. Collins or any... Uh, a prog musician, you're going to hear those little tiny blemishes in the process that, that make it sound real. And well, that's what I was picking yeah, up. And that's why I was tricked. You can definitely chalk that up to the, uh, to the software itself. They do things these days called round Robin where they'll take the exact same hit, but you, you know, have eight of them ready to go that are each a little different and they will show up randomly, yeah, you know? Yeah. 
So, Cersei, when did you first fall in love with uh, music and vocals? Once upon a time, there was a young girl who was born in San Francisco. My mother found me in the park and hey, Dashbury, under a trash can. Uh, You're a feral vocalist found in the wild, is that it? Actually, my mom does joke that she found me in the park. She said, yeah, some hippie girl <laughs> gave me. You know, I was not a musician. I was um, a painter and a poet for many years before mm -hmm. music hit me in the head and forced me to start doing things in public. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just kind of came upon me. I, I always think that creativity is like those cabinets that you close one in the kitchen and the other one pops open. Yeah. So for me, creativity is always just uh, wherever the muse directs me is kind of where I go. And it's it's manifested in so many ways in my life. But I probably didn't start making music until mm, 20, 25 years ago. Wow. I, well, I met Christian shortly after I started making music. Gotcha. She didn't start making real music, uh, actual music until your 30s. So Yeah, I, I mean, wow. I started singing my whole life. I've always been someone who enjoyed singing, but I was never okay. pursued professionally at all well tell them the story you know the first well well i dreamed the first song i ever wrote um was a little country number pretty pretty easy peasy but you know wow. words lyrics the whole thing i just kind of popped into my mind and i thought well that's fascinating maybe i should do something with that and then another one came like later that day and then another one came like at dinner time and i her thought, first three songs she wrote in a day they're all on the first record the first cersei link record yeah it's uh, what i like to call cowboy jazz totally different than the prog right 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 <laughs> that's an incredible but, thing that's you know what that's very john anderson of you i've i've talked with him enough times to realize that his inspiration often comes from dreaming yeah yeah we well, call we call it the muse the muse yeah. there you go yeah Exactly. And some mornings, if she says, you know, you're going to write a bossa nova song today, we do that. If she says it's going to be a country swing or if it's going to be prog. But I'll say that Christian and I, always being prog fans, um, always talked about doing it. And when the lockdown came, we were stuck in the studio in the house here in our home studio with nothing else to do. So we finally said, OK, let's let's scale that Everest together while we're quandering uh Quandering, is that a word? Nice. Having existential quandary about <laughs> life and and the theme of the record really touches on all that stuff too. So it was it was just it was fortuitous. I mean, as a musical project, you two must look at each other and go, My God, when it comes to putting this stuff together, when it comes to writing and recording music, you got everything you need staring right back at you. Is that kind of the sense that you have? I mean, your personal relationship aside, is that kind of the working relationship? Like Boy, Christian can play all these instruments, and Cersei, you're an amazing singer, vocalist, lyric writer, and so on. Holy shit, we we should be doing something. Is that how kind of is that kind of how you got started uh, as a couple, or what came first, the the songwriting and performing, or you two meeting and uh, and kind of hitting it off that way on a personal level? She, she sought me out as a player because um, oh, okay. uh, she because she was uh, these three songs that she had written starting to flesh it out. She went and recorded with a couple other people, but she wanted to kind of. Uh, I was yeah. looking for a pedal steel player. Actually, actually yeah. So, uh, you know, do you know any pedal steel players? Well, I can hook you up. Hmm. Uh, but then she sent me uh, she sent me her three song uh, deal, and I heard immediately that she was the the real thing. You know, um, and uh, oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, and um, 
and 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 reached back out to her. I was actually reticent because I'd been in an, in a lot of sort of acoustic based bands for a while, and I didn't want to do that again. I wanted to get back into more you know rock guitar, which is my home base. Um, but Cersei's uh, uh, voice and and delivery and and songs were so legitimate, you know, genuine, uh, yeah. that, that it, I couldn't, uh, couldn't not pay attention. Also the picture on the front of the, Hey, yo. hey there you go. Uh, was, um, and then the, 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 He's the, the interesting thing is that be, uh, my, both my, uh, my mother and my father, uh, mm -hmm were very responsible for making me appreciate traditional country music. Hmm. Um, so that's very well and in, 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 ingrained into my soul. Um, and so I turned my mom on to that first three song demo and she sat on it for a couple few weeks. And, and <laughs> by that time, Cersei and I had, had gotten together uh, as a couple um, just starting dating. Uh, but when I went over to my mom's and, 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 and uh, she said, uh, this is the woman you're going to be with, with for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Having never met her yet. I don't think. No, she yeah. hadn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, you know, as, as Cersei used the word fortuitous. And and so uh, in the beginning, though, because it was so raw, we did absolutely needed other players. There was it was not a studio project. We wanted not it to be more mm -hmm. more of a band, even though we were demoing things out. Um, we had, uh, you know, incredible players like Christopher Alice on drums and Ian Walker on bass Ian Walker on bass and Michael Sherwood on keys and, and, uh, Billy's brother, by the way. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, uh, so we had an enormous um, pool of talent to choose from and they were so generous and, and so willing to show up for us. Um, so those first few albums uh that were but really the first few albums more had a, a dan hicks kind of gypsy jazz cowboy thing to it and and because of that we had to have a certain level of proficiency in the players i mean mm -hmm. i i will admit i was not up to snuff as a singer i've grown so much and i couldn't do the prog record back then oh. i can do it now because i've grown so much as a musician and i think that that might be a, a knock against us because we've hop genres on every record. I don't know, we've got 12 or 13 records now. Yeah. But finally landing in the prog genre has allowed me to expand with lyrics. And again, because of the level of uh, excellence that we're used to with with players um, and and the just the complexity of music that we enjoy making, prog just was such a wonderful fit. I mean, early stuff is cool too. It was, yeah. some of it was complicated and hard, but I feel like that this is the eventual this is the place where we were supposed to go. Well, right. I don't know if the word landing is exactly because you never know what's going to, you know, blow our skirt up tomorrow. But, uh, <laughs> but truth be told, we are actually working on the second prog record right now. Oh, yeah. See, you know what? That was one of my last questions. That was one of my questions uh, to ask you as we were wrapping I, up. And I was thinking, I, yeah, I got to ask them about a sequel. So just jumping way ahead, that's actually going to happen, right? I wrestled with whether to tell you, but it seemed like a natural segue. So. <laughs> okay, that's outstanding. But just going back, Cersei, going back to your vocals real quick, had you always experimented with vocal harmonies, which are extraordinarily prevalent on Cosmological? Yeah. Was that something that you'd always written with kind of that in mind, or did that emerge as you found your voice strengthening? 
Well, I'd never, again, not being a professional and never even thinking about doing music, mm. I just had a natural ear. Just yeah. Always know, knew how to sing harmonies annoyingly to some people in the room. <laughs> one, of those, one of those people that just, you know, always singing and bugging people with it. But yeah. um, I think uh, Christian as a producer was able to elicit performances out of me that I didn't know I had. I was really aping a kind of style in the beginning, you know, kind of Patsy Cline-ish. And he was like, hey, you're not an alto. Did you know that? Let's try this. Let's try this key. Try it in this key. Wow. And up and up and up and up we went. So my natural love of harmony certainly suited me as almost like a compositional tool for him. So a friend of ours uh, who plays with Brian Wilson said that we sound like, um, what was it, ABBA meets yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much really incredible vocal harmony that mm -hmm. um, Christian's able to obviously compose and kind of use me as an instrument in that way. And I love it. I mean, it's pretty natural to me, although sometimes he comes up with some stuff that I'm like, what? That sounds wrong. <laughs> Just wrong. And then it sounds yeah. amazing once you get it into the mix. So Right. And one thing that's very clear in your work together is you both have extraordinarily good taste. Is that a key component to producing a record? Uh Again, a very, another sub, very subjective <laughs> word. Yeah, taste. yeah. But I mean, in uh, terms of you, you decide, okay, well, where's this movement going? Where is this heading? And is this too much? Is this overproduced? Or is this not enough? And I, I, there's an instinct that goes with music production. So do you, do you yeah. feel as though you have that, uh, that instinct, that, which I call taste, but it's the same thing? I would like to think so. Um, you know, using these vocals as 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 an example. Uh, yes, Cersei was uh, was and is a natural uh, singer and a natural uh, harmony singer. Um, and I was hugely influenced by Queen and Elton John and the Beatles and uh, and uh, Journey and the way that those those bands used vocals, particularly Queen and uh, Queen and the Beatles. They used them as another instrument. They weren't just mm -hmm. la la la's. They were string parts and horn parts mm -hmm. and. Um, and I've always approached background vocals like that in. Uh, so I think the taste that you're talking about is is uh, an aware, awareness of arrangement. Yeah. Uh, the, abil the ability to put the right instrument of the right sounding color, mm -hmm. uh, timbre mm -hmm. instrument. And sometimes it's a keyboard and sometimes it's a stack of Oz, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and... Uh, and Cersei is so good at, at you know, stacking up 24. It's Wall of Cersei, you know, 20, <laughs> uh, 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 24 uh, vocals singing four part. Um, and uh, and so that's a wonderful uh, other instrument to have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we are lucky that we can use the studio as an instrument um, because Christian has that engineering background and, and he mixes everything as well. We record it all and all mm -hmm. of our other stuff is recorded by him as the primary engineer yeah. and, which, and mixed I, as well. And which mastered. I think kind of goes back to your earlier question, Bob, is about uh, that we are kind of a one-stop shop. Yeah. Um, I do mm -hmm. all the artwork. I do all the website stuff. I do all the admin, paying the band. It's, mm -hmm. It is we're, like we're our own tiny little record label. Um, uh, so that, that does make it I don't know about easier, but at least more accessible. Um, uh, and so, yeah, when when the uh, COVID showed up, yeah, 
you know, um, we had worked on uh, different different sounding records, but we I had, had Cosmologica. The song was already in the can. Yeah, the, oh yeah, the, the, yeah. That was that was actually ten years old. That's the one song that was written at, I, almost that, that about long. ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, but I'd had I had a whole bunch of other little snips and bits and bobs of ideas that I'd been sitting on that never felt like they belonged anywhere uh, until. Uh, March 7th of 2020 and mm. there we were and it's like okay we've got nothing to do for the foreseeable months yeah. if not years let's just get into it because here we sit um yeah uh, one, of the, one of the great things to emerge out of the pandemic if there was anything uh, positive to emerge out of that uh, cataclysm maybe this album was one of those things uh, and uh, I say that with all the enthusiasm in the world because it is a, yeah. just a stellar recording and so you're friends with this amazing circle of musicians. You, you talked about Michael Sherwood, uh, the late Michael Sherwood. He's uh, the only one on the record, the only guest on the on Cosmologica. Yeah. Was there any consideration at some point that maybe you bring in Michael Sherwood or Paul Melanson, who I'm a huge fan of, oh, or Robbie Mist so or any of these guys? Yeah. What a voice, right? Oh, my um, God, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that's so great that you know Paul. Um, yeah, I, right alongside uh, your stuff, I play a lot of Paul's work on my show. I, I play uh, independent bands coming out of commercial breaks, and so that's great. that's how I discovered you guys. That's how I discovered Paul, and uh, I know Robbie Rist through Facebook somehow. Uh, very and, well, very and, well. And Michael Sherwood, I he was a reader of my stuff. He followed my podcast and, and my writing on uh. politics and so on, and so I got to know him also through Facebook and. I had also worked with uh, Billy on a yeah. bunch of different things uh, prior to him joining Yes officially. And so uh, I was familiar with both of the Sherwood brothers. And so I was devastated when we lost Michael Sherwood. He he died before the pandemic, right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I uh, actually knew Michael since 94, maybe. Um, yeah. And uh, we became... Uh, fast musical friends. Um, uh, it was almost immediate. Uh, and uh, so much so, I don't know if you've heard our record. We made a record. It's called Gro oh. Groovy, Lepin Groovy Lemon Pie. So uh, oh, I haven't can... heard that. Yeah, I need to oh, listen. Yeah. yeah. It's not the, it, it, it was done very uh, catch as catch can. So it's not the greatest <laughs> sounding record, but it is, uh, you know, Michael and I one stop shopping together and, and, and kind of doing that. It's brilliant and, songwriting. It's just astounding. I was, uh, uh, I, I'm still uh, agonized over his death. I miss him so much because yeah. he, he was, uh, he was a partner of mine. Um, as a matter of fact, on the, on the, on the day of his death, um, we a, a bunch of us who were really tight uh, got together. Do you are you aware of Dan, Danny Peck? Uh, not right off the top of my head. Michael played uh, alongside Danny Peck in a in a, a, a local cabaret called Genghis Cohen here in L.A. Okay. Um, and uh, and for years and years and years uh, and uh, and I walked in and I saw Danny and I and I said, man, I think I know what Paul felt like uh, in 1980. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, and Danny said, yeah, there are about, you know, 15 of us who feel <laughs> feel like that. And that's what was so amazing about Michael is that he, yeah. his enthusiasm and generosity with his music uh, was vast. Um, and so while we were making that record, uh, 
which is odd because, you know, he died before the pandemic. But we had plans to have him all over that record. Yeah, yeah. but we didn't know that we were going to make that record. Uh, at well, we had talked, we had talked, you know, yeah. we're going to do a prog thing. Michael will do this. Michael will do that. But uh, the interesting thing about his uh, his guest performance is, is that 17 years into Cersei and I's relationship, we got married here in our apartment um and uh and it was uh, just a little close hang and michael was there and he was the last person to leave <laughs> uh, which was a, a, a first but towards the towards the end of that evening uh you know we didn't make a big to do about out of their ceremony but <clears throat> i opened up uh a, a thing that i'd been kind of kicking around it was a, it was a section of a song and I said, uh, you know, Mikey, blow blow a solo on this, um, which we had no idea where it was going to wind up or how it was going to turn out. But he did, uh, right right here in this room that we're sitting in now, um, and that's the solo that you hear. So, um, so that was that's on God from the Machine. That's the last yeah. track on Cosmologica. Right. And he played that. Was was that an actual Hammond, or you just play it on a? Synth? No, no, it's a, it's a, a virtual instrument. But yeah. Um, you just know, incredible. Yeah, yeah. That was the last time Chris was on. Um, hmm. And uh, and so he never got to hear Cosmologica. He never got oh. to hear. I mean, all of those all of those synth solos that I do that are so Emerson and Wakeman inspired. Um, <laughs> uh, I just oh, God, M Michael, I wish you were here so you could hear this or help me make it better. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, I, uh, we both, and, and also Cersei did an entire record with him. I but, did. Um, yeah, it's not out. It's in the can, just sitting around. Oh but, my God. Yeah, this crazy, uh, I don't know, what would you call it, babe? I, it's kind of jazz. We were getting into our Steely Dan vibes and really <laughs> going for that sort of thing. But I would say that Michael was really influential for me coming on the scene uh, with no experience with music at all. And he was so great to work with he would not discriminate against anybody he i was had written two songs and he was like let me check it out cool <laughs> this is great let's talk about songwriting he was so generous and his his understanding of uh just that exchange between two artists really informed me as a songwriter and a lyricist yeah. early he on. was one of the most gargantuan lyricists you, oh. you ever heard he was just incredible wow so often when i'm writing and in in particularly the prog stuff because prog i think gives you a parameter to write wider than traditional you know uh regular old rock songs i think about I think about him all the time. He's, you know, I'm having a discussion with him, like, oh, he'd get a kick out of this, or he'd want, he'd say, push, push yourself. You could do better than that. And, and similar right. frames of reference so far as, I mean, especially you, Christian, you and Michael both come from musical families. I mean, his, yeah. uh, Michael's dad, Billy's dad was a performer, and obviously Billy has made a significant name for himself in, uh, yeah. in, yeah. in rock music and being in Yes and having his own projects and, and so on. It's a lot of overlap, a lot of uh, commonality between you guys. But, it's, well, Michael was never re reticent to talk about yeah. his dad and the jokes that he made <laughs> and, the, and the and the and the lessons he learned. From, uh, you know, Bobby Sherwood was a, a huge composer and arranger uh, for you know the Vegas crew back when Sinatra and Sammy Davis and all those guys were doing their thing. He was right in the middle of all of that. 
So, Cersei, which came first, the concept for Cosmologica, sort of an examination of the universe and existence, or was it the music itself? How did the, the initial spark, the initial seed of this thing uh, get started beyond having Cosmologica floating around for years as a song? How did the uh, concept for this piece uh, begin? How did that get started? Well, again, the lockdown, I think, really presented some stark topics to contemplate if one was doing yeah. any sort of existential navel gazing at the time, and I certainly <laughs> was. So thinking about the convergence of technology, humanity, survival of yeah. those things, also the actual idea of being stuck inside and that there was a barrier. Even when I go see my mom or any of us going and visiting relatives, like, are we visiting through glass? It was like being inside this spaceship and knowing that outside there, yeah. it could be deadly. It was dangerous for everybody. And so the it just presented itself. And again, that's kind of how the muse shows up for me. It's It just shows up and, and whether it's in dream or whether it's just something that hits me while I'm walking down the street, these ideas just flow um, all the time for me. And it, it just seems so obvious. To the specific answer to your question, Bob, is, is that we had a collection of musical ideas. Some were mm -hmm. more fleshed out than mm -hmm. others. Uh, and as uh, as we were kind of you know poking at it and seeing seeing where it would go, um, <clears throat> about a third of the way into working on it, uh, Cersei went, uh, "Okay, found yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Found it. <laughs> I know what I'm going to talk about. And once she did, uh, it, it was off to the races. Uh, we we just really yeah. knew how to go. Because I can only get so far as having you know musical motifs and and connect parts and and but. With without that that lyrical uh, glue, uh, they're just they're yeah. just not going anywhere. Well, sometimes he'll be working on something, and I'll hear it, and I'll run in, and I'll say, "Oh, that should be called this." Yeah. And then yeah. whatever that word is, like architecture, was like that. I ran in and I said, "Oh, I got something for this. I got something for this." Mm -hmm. and he said, "Okay, great." So he kind of finishes his sketch, gives it to me, and then I kind of write lyrics, come up with a little bit of a melody, and then come back to him, and then we start building it from there. So. It's definitely a really beautiful collaboration. Early on, my stuff was I would come up with a melody and a lyric, I'd bring it to him, and he would flesh out all the music. Right, I don't, right. And I don't really play any instruments at all. I mean, I play guitar now terribly, but, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> stay away from the guitar, Cersei. Yeah, and it's not like putting hammer to a nail. It sounds like it was a really uh, non-linear process where you're Definitely. layering things and coming back to ideas and maybe yeah. abandoning things. Is that kind of how it went? Or did you start with acoustic jams? I mean, what was the overall process for assembling these pieces? Is it something that happened in your place and you're just jamming this stuff out? Or was it a sort of a studio construction process? I mean, I'm speaking in generalities, basically, but the, the kind of through line for the entire process, was it a more construction kind of thing? Or was it more organic, starting with well, seeds uh, of be, ideas? Uh, because uh, Prague is sort of modular, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, uh, I would have a whole bunch of, of ideas. I mean, I was sitting on this. Oh, I'm in the tuning. wrong tuning. <laughs> we have a different guitar, honey. Uh, we have uh, so many guitars, so many tunings. I, I'm so happy to hear it. I, I was just like, for a second, I was like, is he going to play guitar for me? This is amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, this guy. Yeah. 
you know, that's a, that's the opening to the God, God machine. Yeah. And I've been sitting on that little thing because Figure, it, it, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. because it feels good to play under my fingers. And I sort of flesh that out, but where that would go, no, I, 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 you know, we didn't have any idea. And so there were, you know, uh, you know, about a dozen of those things, mm-hmm. or maybe, uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then, I just tried my best to sort of imagine what a vocal would be like and 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 would string a few of those parts together. Then Cersei would take a run at it and uh, and it would be clear that I, that there would uh, there was some editing that would need needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would edit my stuff to to more acclimate. Then she would come back and have something that was a little more clo- uh, closer to where we where we were going to go and then I I've always been kind of the closer. You know? I call it, then he fixes what I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's really the job of a producer. I mean, that's that's well, yeah, one of the many layers to what joke. you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, for real, having him as a producer, uh, he knows what he wants. I've seen so many other artists in the studio, and they, they don't know what they want, and that mm-hmm. is not only really expensive, but frustrating sometimes for players and for them. So... Uh, maybe that production that you hear or those that instinct that you hear is the fact that he really knows what he wants to hear. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I also think sort of cinematically um, yeah. in yeah. that I want I want the uh, the song to have a dramatic arc to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, so the the explosions are really big and the and the drops are really uh, really significant and and uh and and i want i remember an interview with uh, eddie van halen uh right at the beginning and 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 he uh in guitar player magazine and he said what i want with my music is to very you know gently reach out and lift my listeners chin up ever so slightly and go bam (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i'm in the face Mm -hmm. um and 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 so that setup. If if you listen, hopefully I'm I'm doing it right, uh, or doing what I'm intending to do, which is is giving your giving the listener a little setup. So when the payoff hits, when that crash comes, mm-hmm. um, when that that chord change comes, that they're they're it's something unexpected, but they're ready for. If that makes any sense, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know what I had this conversation with, coincidentally, Billy Sherwood, where we were talking about it was back during the loudness wars. I'm sure you both remember oh, that, yeah. where everyone yeah. would compress the hell out of their recordings to the hey, point I where still it's just do. As, it's yeah, fun. yeah. Well, and we were talking about that, and he said something that was kind of revelatory. He said, "You know what? The the key to great music, especially prog music, is dynamics." And that's something you hear in a lot of his work, especially, but it's all over Cosmologica, the dynamics of this album. I mean, you can really hear the ups and the downs and the cinematic quality of it that you were just describing, Christian. Yeah. Thank you, Bull. Thank you for noticing. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, that's, what, that's what we're shooting for. I think also transitions are, are hugely important, not yeah. just in you know, your average songwriting stuff of getting from a chorus to a bridge, but even more so in Prague. I think of it like and I know Christian does as well, it's it's like a classical piece of music in the sense that those transitions have to make sense. They have to let the the listener go on that journey. If you're mm-hmm. telling a story, it's got to have sections and components to an emotional content. And with your composition, you can really make that happen for them. Yeah, it's, yeah. Also, it's also interesting that, you know, <clears throat> uh, to set out to make a 
quote Prague unquote record <clears throat> is uh, is rather lofty, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, <clears throat> and and something you know I I you know I was never in a, I never played yes covers. I was always a, you know I was always an Aerosmith and Rush kind of guy. Although mm-hmm. Rush was a Rush at least helped me out with a lot of the. The more, uh, but you can sit down and play close to the edge on the acoustic no, guitar. No, I can't. No, I can't. Yes, not can. not close to it. the edge. And you and I. No, I'm talking about the whole record. No, I can't. I've seen you do it. No, you haven't. I bet, I bet he can. I'm with Cersei no, on this. You haven't. You haven't. No, I haven't. I said it's a complete total lie. I cannot do that. Don't anybody call me up and challenge me to do that because I can't. Uh, All right. Well, my hallucination <clears throat> is that he has uh, an encyclopedic. Uh, amount of information and yeah. um, of music in his mind that he can't sit down and play it. So right, much right. <laughs> um, going for something that is, uh, by definition, Prague. Um, there's certainly a vocabulary that you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, uh, something that is, uh, uh, you know, you can one can certainly identify Genesis and. ELP and Gentle Giant and and uh, King Crimson mm-hmm. and you know all your your big famous prog bands as prog. So what is it about those bands? And uh, and uh, truth be told, I make no bones about nodding towards the influences uh, of where those things come from. If you hear a guitar sound that sounds like Steve Howe, well, that was intentional. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, if you hear a, a, a synth solo that sounds like it was Keith Emerson, I meant to do that. And I'm not ashamed <laughs> of that at all because those guys are, you know, they are the giants upon whose shoulders we stand. Exactly. I actually put that sentence in the right order. Good job, honey. <laughs> we actually had a review in, what was the magazine on, in the UK? I can't remember. The reviewer oh, said, I, I hope you don't take this as an insult, but that was the best yes record of the year (laughs) (laughs) i said man that's great sometimes i wander around and i'm looking for a melody and i think hmm (laughs) wwjad what would john anderson do one last question before we actually talk about some of the tracks individually is uh cersei do you consider this to be a concept album or is this merely a thematic through line without an overarching narrative how do you peg this the latter uh, we do have a, a a concept record that tells a whole story um yeah that we've done and that's that's lovely um, which is called bird's amazing odyssey and the meaning of tea yes go check oh, it out i love it uh, it's uh, it's unusual but yeah i think it's more thematic for me i wanted to tell uh i wanted to have some really juicy concepts in there so i relied on some of my great loves of reading like philip k dick mm-hmm. uh, kurt vonnegut and virginia heinlein. wolf heinlein yeah for, particularly for the sci-fi stuff yeah um and and the interiority that someone like wolf gives you so I was it should be noted on as an aside cersei reads a hun- over a hundred books a year i'm a reader Oh, wow. That is amazing. I'm so jealous of that, Cersei. <laughs> I wish I had the time. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to make it, man. Yeah. Um, but I think lyrically, I wanted to make sure that I was touching on some really interesting concepts. Like I, I even explore a little bit of the whole uh, uh, clockmaker, the divine clockmaker, the whole Dawkins idea. Yeah. And then contrast that with um, agnosticism versus 
atheism when you're thinking about those greater themes and mm -hmm. where you stand in the universe. So the, the, I just think the whole thing is thematic. That's a really good way to put it. So did you uh, approach suborbital preflight as sort of an overture for the piece? Is that the idea behind the opening instrumental? It was the last thing that we we did. Hmm. Um, and um, uh, I, uh, do you know uh, Mark McCright? Um, the name sounds familiar. Refresh my memory. He's, he's been around. He's a huge, a huge prog head. Uh, he's a good friend, uh, and I really trust his ears. Yeah. So he was one of the couple people that we were playing this for as it, as we were getting close to the end, and uh, and and what we started with was architecture, and uh, he said. It seems awfully early to have vocals just come right right in for a progress. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, you're right. So I, I I sat down and I tried to just say, okay, let's just make this grand overture um to start the record that is all instrumental and uh and and that's what what popped out. And I truth be told, I don't remember the process of that particular song, hmm. it just went, okay, let's go. <laughs> and I just kind of, kind of spit it out. And then as I sort of fleshed it out, I, w I wanted to nod to a couple of little uh, little motifs that are going to show up later in the record. Yeah. As I don't sure does. It's kind of amazing to say this about any prog song, but I get the feeling that there's at least some restraint to it. And the, what I mean by that is a lot of modern prog tends to fall into the category of shredding for the sake of shredding is what I, how I describe um, it. But this doesn't well, have that, but this isn't that. I mean, this has got a lot of virtuoso playing in it, but with this, there is that level of restraint. So you don't, you don't cross that line, which is amazing. Well, I have a, I definitely have a response to that. Um, you know, I'm a pretty good guitar player, and uh, but you know, I am definitely not. Oh God, what is the guitar player? Patucci? No. Um, is, who's the Dream Theater guy? You know. Oh, um, good. Oh, God. That guy. Anyway, yeah, that exactly. guy. Exactly. I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah. And uh, and and this guy, you know, and all those those types of types of players. They have enormous facility with their instrument, and I never quite got that far. So the fact that it didn't go into full-on math rock is really just a limitation of my own ability. <laughs> Sometimes I wish that I could do more. You know, Steve yeah. Morse is a, is a huge hero of mine, mm -hmm. but I've never been able to play close to the to to the technical proficiency. That, I think those limitations, can. though, are what make different artists unique yeah. and cool. I it, mean. I would have loved to have been, you know, Sarah Vaughn or Patsy Cline with my voice, I, and I'm not. And it's great that I'm not because I got to become who I am and and develop my own style of singing. That's, that's I will, unique. I will say though that um, one of the uh, oh, I, I gotta see if I can get a pick out here. One of the uh, one of the biggest things that happened was I I got an instrument called oh, a yeah. called a griffin. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a small twelve string uh high tuned instrument um and uh uh and uh, uh it's that that's that's it you know and it's this little teeny thing and you can hear it all over the record um and uh you know it's uh like 
right? So you can <sighs> hear that. Uh, uh, and it's this thing. And this has been such a, 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 a gigantic inspiration for instrumental. me instrumental instrumental <laughs> instrument it's been instrumental in my instrumentation um and uh and i love this thing and and uh so uh it, it as you can tell uh i mean it, the record opens with it yeah uh, and um so i wanted to bring that up but other than that uh some quite often it's just kind of stringing parts together yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. like plop 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 you know this block goes there and that block goes there do we go back to the old block no new thing now did you each perform the mission control voices at the end yes. yeah. have some fun with that yeah. yes <laughs> yes we do have fun i love that i love that so much and that of course takes us into architecture I assume this is about the great questions of the universe, right, Cersei? Absolutely. I mean, the blind watchmaker, are we dreaming? Where do you, exactly. Where do you land on some of these questions personally? Do you have any sort of specific uh -oh. ideas that you lean toward? <laughs> the, uh -oh. time, there was a little girl who was born in a forest <laughs> in San Francisco. You know, I think uh, the concept is of God is ineffable mm -hmm. for me, and the best things in the world, I think, are Wittgensteinian in the idea that they can't be put into language. Yeah. And so the folly of doing so is delightful and fun. And I believe that music and art and poetry and dance are the only things that can come close to describing these awesome, and I mean that in the word what it really means the awe that it inspires these ineffable concepts mm. only us artists and and the people that get to grok what we're saying are the ones that can come even close to experiencing it together and getting that message across so i'm not answering your question <laughs> <laughs> but i mean are these concepts are these concepts the architecture that you're singing about is that is that what you're saying i guess so um we recently watched a documentary on the hubble and mm -hmm. uh it's it's is it structure kind of yeah. looks like structure hmm. but at the same time it doesn't look like structure it looks like chaos earth yeah. and chaos, chaos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and beauty and so that's the definitely the question that i'm asking there and is it's for people to make that decision themselves right right and so wow. that leads us to uh track number three on the piece s y z y g y it's pronounced syzygy right am i pronouncing yep. syzygy yeah. yep. all right what does syzygy mean uh it is uh three celestial bodies that coexist uh uh mm -hmm. so that line it, up that, right well not necessarily in a line but yeah. they coexist uh so in this case sun moon earth um yes. mm -hmm. but uh but that's uh so it's a little triptych I believe it's the only word in the English language that has uh, three Y's as its only vowels. So interesting, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I love the word. What a great song title! I was surprised there hadn't been song titles uh, using syzygy in the past. It's, it's, you guys landed on something for the very first time, and it's an awesome concept. I mean, it's the only track on the album that has movement titles, which is a mm -hmm. kind of yeah. a classic prog trope. Uh, one for each of the three movements, Terra Firma, Sol, Lunaria, which, as you said, Earth, Sun, and Moon, right? Yep. 
Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, terra firma actually was sort of my concept. Uh, uh, and where it came from, I, I know the, 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 the actual origin, is I always loved the sound of the wood elves in uh oh, lord yeah. of the rings in the first in the first lord of the rings movie yeah. uh the four hobbits are or maybe it's just the two of them at that point they're just cruising through the forest right towards the beginning and they see the wood elves walking through and there's this beautiful female-based uh choral uh chant that they're doing and i just always loved that and it, it shows up in other places mm -hmm. so i wanted to kind of make a nod to that and so that's that's what that first movement mm -hmm. was out beyond my fingertips is the infinite of space between the stars and worlds we are sacred skin in which I have been placed between the souls of others we are seeking and let me touch the And then uh, the the solar, you know, obviously I wanted something that was. Uh, I love that section. Uh, I do too. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was it's really so heavy. The, that was uh, not cacophonous, but certainly as angry as a blazing sun. Yeah. So uh, I just happened on this little keyboard riff that you hit uh, that you hear at the beginning. And said, and then what would that sound like if I played it on heavy guitar? And so it morphs into that. And uh, and uh, is that that's the section that has the Carmina Burana section in it? Uh Call it the Carmina Burana. Yeah, I mean, again, once again, we're hearing the dynamics of progressive rock uh, writ large in this particular song. Mm -hmm. And of course, I just love everything about this track. Uh, but the anthem, my favorite part of the song is the anthem in Lunaria. Uh, there you go. Oh, which that's nice. is ju it's just chills inducing every time. <laughs>
when you're both recording this, and let's say, Cersei, you're laying down your vocals, do you ever stop and go, holy shit, <laughs> this is fucking incredible? I mean, when you hit those sort of emotional musical climaxes, it must have been mind-blowing. You know, that's interesting. I, I don't generally when we're tracking because... Christian and I are serious game face, race face. Oh, that's okay. Peter, we are working. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a really interesting um, approach to art. And you have to be able to have the craft as well as the inspiration. And so Christian and I are huge uh, worshipers of craft, you know? Yeah. So it's later that I'll hear it and go, oh, you know what? That's pretty, that's really cool. I'm very happy with that. I love that. Or if I get goosebumps from it, it's usually once I've put my recording hat to the side and <laughs> now I can be the listener. Yeah, I'm a little bit more like what you're talking about, Bob, is, is, is <laughs> uh, as, as it starts to unfold, because I'm sitting here in front of the computer and she's next to me uh, on the mic. And as I hear her vocals stack up and I hear this, the, the interweaving parts start to really bloom, um, they uh, I'm like, OK, we got it. We hit it, you know, uh, because we well, because if, if you don't get that feeling, you got to go, OK, well, it's not there yet. Yeah. yeah. Why am I not feeling that way? Yeah. That takes us next to Assignment in Eternity, which has, again, another amazing anthem, but this time it's in the middle section, the Sail the Skies to Somewhere Else. Yeah. Just, oh my God, it's another emotional climax. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, about this particular track is, and I think it's in the liner notes as well, uh, the drums at the end are a tribute to the late Neil yeah. Peart, right? Yeah, as, as best as I could do, yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel derivative. It doesn't feel obvious. Y you have to be paying attention, and you have to, I guess, be literate in uh, the history of progressive rock to pick up on some of those things. So it is subtle in a sense. Well, I mean, I listened, I listened to 2112, Farewell to Kings, Hemispheres. Um, uh, God, what am I? I'm blanking on the one right after that uh, Spirit of Radio record. Um, oh yeah, Permanent Waves. Permanent Waves um, and Moving Pictures. I, would, mm -hmm. I listened to those six records just till my eyes cross and I can still play almost all of the, all of the songs on all of those records. Um, <clears throat> And uh, and one of the things that I enjoyed listening to so much was the crafting of Neil's parts. Yeah, he it was clear that every single strike was chosen on purpose, um, and that he worked on it. And 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 my suspicions were confirmed later in his interviews. So that I definitely went into it with you know WWNPD man, you know uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and, uh, rather, again, a rather lofty goal. And I don't know, I mean, I suppose it comes across, but also it, to address your, uh, your earlier comment about this song, um, when that section hits, uh, the one that, that is a payoff for you, yeah. what's funny about that is that's just the beginning chords, um, in an, in another key. 
and halftime. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, every, it's all in D at the beginning. And actually, the uh, what are the lyrics at the very beginning? Uh, I don't know. What, you know, what of the, uh, I can't, that, that big three-part harmony that, that is uh, acapella at the beginning, that was actually. Oh, is that? Yeah. Yeah. I've been going slowly. I've been thinking quickly. I've been knowing only thoughts worth finding. Asking now. I've been sowing slowly. I've been thinking quickly. I've been brightly glowing. Thoughts for growing, turning fastly. But the thing is, is that 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 was actually taken from the guitar part. We decided to say, yeah. okay, let's take that guitar part, turn it into an acapella thing, mm-hmm. and stick it on the beginning. Yeah. Um, so the part, the big gigantic uh, the entrance of the band that you hear right after that acapella is the first part of the song that was written. Um, and uh, and then uh, when you get into the slower part uh, that was just after that, the, the, the arpeggiating guitar part, that's straight King's X, you know? <laughs> wow. De- de- and uh, it should be said that the, uh, those guys, particularly Ty, have been has been friends of mine since the Dogman album um, yeah, yeah. for thirty years. Good and, friends, and uh, they're Good just guys. dear, sweet friends of mine. Talk to them all the time, and uh, and uh, and I was a fan of theirs before they before we became friends. So mm-hmm. uh, Ty's sensibility of guitar. One of the reasons why we became friends is that. Uh, ironically enough, we both loved the open string arpeggiated movements that Alex Lifeson would do. Um, oh yeah, uh, right. So yeah. he 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 would build a part like uh, like the verse in Limelight, where he's mm-hmm. always bouncing off that open B string, um, and mm-hmm. uh, and and it it is so signature Alex and. Yeah that that resonated both with both Ty and I and so Ty and me, me no and I'm, 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 I'm the object I'm right it, okay well uh, you know the overlap of the if you're a creative Venn diagram between Cosmologica and Rush one of the things that I noticed specifically is the fact that uh, I think one of the hallmarks of Rush music is while I'm sure each one of the members of that band Alex Getty and Neil could play fast and could potentially shred if they wanted to it's more for them and even with neil peart who's widely regarded as being the greatest rock drummer of all time the thing with him and i have this conversation with my drummer brother all the time he says you know what it's not just about his talent for playing it's about his creativity behind the drums his composition exactly right and that's the venn diagram overlap with cosmologica because i know that you could probably do it christian i know you could probably shred going back to our earlier conversation but i think it's the compositional creativity of the playing that is there are a few moments in the record that 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 have some sort of acrobatic guitar in there and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm pretty proud of that stuff um but you're you're dead on it uh the uh rush's sensibilities particularly in the in those in that second period of theirs yeah uh where they really started going for the extended songs um, it was important for them to have some sort of uh, uh, linear 
aspect to it and so that they could get from from the beginning of the song to the end so if you listen to uh uh cygnus part two hemispheres the first side uh there are motifs and there are themes which they they continue to call up to morph to change uh, and Cersei made a point earlier uh it's uh it <laughs> prog music really is uh, is uh, uh, rock and roll uh, or is classical music with rock instruments. Yeah, In, and so because of that, there are no rules as far as tempo changes, as far as key changes, yeah, as, far, so as far as far as time signatures. Um, all is fair game. You're not limited to this three or four minute pop, uh, you know, formula. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yet, in order to have something that really takes you on a journey, if you're going to attempt to do something that is 8, 10, 15, you know, I mean, I still think probably close to the edge, the song itself mm-hmm. might be the benchmark of all prog songs yeah, okay. when, oh, yeah. When, yeah. when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you'll notice how they'll take a theme um and morph it a little bit, change, uh, come back to another theme, uh, and uh, so that's that's that was really uh, a, a a template which I needed to use in order to make sure that I was composing well. Yeah, um, and, and I got getting- the sense with uh, Cosmologica, the next track on the album I want to talk about is that song has kind of and it's not again it's not exactly you can't specifically overlap one song on top of this but it has that close to the edge kind of more serene middle section you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's got that more of that three act structure that we kind of get in syzygy but um obviously in this case without the movement titles but it does have that break in the middle which is kind of uh, once again another prog trope that I think close to the edge may have established. Mm -hmm. I think they were the first, I think yes, were the first ones to do that where you start out pretty heavy and then you go into something that's more uh, moody and surreal. And then you're back into the themes again. Galleries of books, ex labors likes the look of my far away eyes. Tinsel and stars, this Cosmologica started out as an exercise, and I'm ac- I actually had to open up the uh, the, <laughs> the file in front of me. Um, it's working title, or the very you know, just some, something that I put down right at the very beginning. It was called Southern Wondrous. <laughs> Gee, why did I call it that? Mm. Well, it's South Side of the Sky and Wondrous Stories, isn't ah. it? <laughs> Amazing. Oh, yeah, you so, know what? South Side of the Sky actually yes, has that exact. same structure, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, it. again, I make no bones about, or I'm not trying to hide the fact that it was inspirational mm-hmm. to me. And, was, uh, and being that was the first song that we did and being 10 years pr- prior to any of the other things, at that time, it was done for an exercise. Uh, it's like, okay, you know, let's just see let's if do I a prog song. Let's, let's see if I can do this. Song. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, so that, uh, we, we've actually done that uh, several times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other exercises that we've done from time to time, if you've ever heard our cover record is we've done, uh, hyper accurate recordings of, uh, of 
classic songs. We did Good Vibrations. We did, we did uh, Your Move. Did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we did yes your move. Although that, I believe that's in another. We put it in a different key, okay. um, and uh, and then one of the other. Oh yeah, uh, the uh, Stone in Love and mm-hmm. things like that. Oh, right. Um, right, and so you know, yes, I copied it exactly, precisely, precisely. I mean, even down <laughs> to the way that Neil Sean bends his strings on those solos. Oh, yeah. what about the dance on the volcano that you did with Shecky? Yeah, have you ever <laughs> looked? At, Go look up my dance on a volcano. That's Michael Sherwood singing, uh, and it's in it's on my YouTube channel. And I had the exercise to go and do dance on a volcano, which might be my f- most favorite prog song of all time. Uh, is it really? I think so. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's just so, so perfect. Yeah, mine is uh, "Awaken." Yes, is a big epic from "Going for the One." I, and I'm, yeah. you know, my my big my main band, as you can probably tell, is Rush. But when it comes to Yes, man, it's "Awaken" to me was the high watermark of Yes epic, you know, long form songwriting. Um, but I mean, along those lines, when Yes first started recording longer tracks, Bill Bruford famously complained about the process and how he had yeah. no idea where Close to the Edge was going to end. Um, did you ever run into that issue with some of the longer tracks on this, especially going back years with Cosmologica? Did you ever wonder, okay, well, we're two thirds of the way through this track. How does this thing end? Or was it all, all sort time. of preconceived? All the okay. time. Every, almost every single one of them. It's like, you know, I'll get it. And that's actually kind of the mark, as you say, is about two-thirds. It's like I've yeah. got all my my pieces out. I've even got, like, the down section. And, you know, okay, so how the hell do I finish this, you yeah. know? <laughs> right. But I think that's an interesting observation. Good literature proposes that same issue that same problem arises because how do you end a great story without mm-hmm. without relying on a platitude and happily or ever after yeah. Yeah. yeah so i think that's a an incredible challenge for every song every good story is figuring out a way to um come to a close and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard that's definitely one of the hardest parts so satellite is this uh the love song on the album yeah i think it is i was trying to think about at the time, again, being in the lockdown about the people that we do love, that do lead mm. the way with the light, I and how see. important that is not only in one-on-one relationships, but um, culturally, how important it is to have someone leading the way that says, I got you, yeah. let's do this. Let's stay positive. Let's work our way out of this. Yeah, it's a bumpy time, but you're always guiding me. And so I know the person who's keeping that light will will hopefully uh show us the way out so yeah. uh, that's a good way to put it a love song yeah yeah, yeah. But maybe, i mean it- maybe agape instead of arrows Yeah, as we tumble through the stars and being kept company by a satellite, and in our case, the moon itself. That's what I, when I hear this song, that's what I think of. Like, okay, we're we're hurtling through the cosmos, our star system and our galaxy, and we don't have many immediate neighbors, any companions in this journey. And but there's the moon, and we can always look up and see. Well, we're 
all this insanity, but there's the moon, and that's it's so nice. Yeah, yeah. You, you totally got it. And again, <laughs> for those of us that were trapped in the house with just our partner and our spouse, I felt so incredibly fortunate yeah, that yeah. Christian and I are best friends. At no point were we ready to, to kill each other because yeah. we were stuck here. We were like, man, I couldn't do this with anybody else but you. Yeah, we were so grateful that, yeah. we, that, it, was each, that it was each other that we had mm-hmm. to spend that time with. Yeah. So in God from the Machine... I'm hearing something maybe about AI in this one. Is I mean, is that an element here, or am I just reading too much into it? No, you're you're got it. You've definitely picked up on all the lyrics. <laughs> okay. all, the I've listened to the day. album a few times, Cersei. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> you know, it's so rare that people pick up on the lyrics. It's funny because mm. um, when I before I was a musician, I think I related to lyrics more because I was coming from a poetic standpoint. Uh, but I, I, I'm not sure that people dig in really deep all the time. And so it's flattering when someone notices that there's a reference to, um, you know, Philip K. Dick or Heinlein or, or whatnot. And God from the machine. Yeah. Deus ex machina is the idea of, uh, is it going to rescue us? Mm -hmm. Is it going to kill us? Did we make it? Did it make us? Those questions that are profound that we're asking now, as we, as we all are on the precipice of, uh, this technological age we're barely at the infancy of it how's it going to change us yeah yeah and with ai uh, with both of you as musicians you must be deeply concerned with uh how that's going to manifest itself in music in particular because not really I'm not, not really no really uh, because, yeah uh you know uh well your quote babe uh you've been saying lately oh yeah well um chat gpt can make content it can't make art okay um, and I feel that that's a, that, that, that was a very uh, profound quote. Um, I stole it from somebody. Uh, uh, I wish I knew who. Um, uh, I actually tried to get um, ChatGPT to write a, a script uh-huh. uh, just as a lark, and I prompted the hell out of it, and the script was just <laughs> junk. It was just <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Um, and uh, I tried to get it to write uh, write a song, mm-hmm. uh, a prog song, a prog song, no less. And it was just junk. Yeah. Um, and there, uh, but I find it sort of interesting, and I hope that this changes. That what we call uh, uh, so much of our input these days is content, uh, content creators. Um, and I find that so much of it is about as profound as what GP, uh, chat GPT is producing. Um, it's unfortunate, uh, but I, you know, we're, we're in a new era, uh, over the, yeah. the last five years with, uh, particularly with the, the TikTok format cha- taking off as, as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that, um, that people will see um, the art to be had in these formats. Um, yeah. I'm, I, and I'm, I also, you know, I also teach, uh, I, I teach kids how to play rock and roll. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, and, uh, and it, uh, yeah, and that, He's oh, wow, that, oh, wow, is just, is, you nailed it. And what I'm continually <laughs> uh, pleasantly surprised about is that these kids are not thinking in sound bites. Mm-hmm. They are looking, first of all, they continually to they continue to look to the classics because they can instinctively know that that so much of the of the content that is put out 
these days is shallow and vapid. Well, it's disposable. It's disposable. And um and and so they look it it it's there's a reason why Led Zeppelin and Beatles have have sustained for 50 60, you know, it's going to be almost 70 years yeah. soon, you know. Um it's insane. It's insane. Uh but these but these kids are hip to it. They're mm-hmm. they're just at their core, they want I had a I had a 13 year old kid come in. I let them suggest so- songs that they were going to do for the semester, and they uh, and one of the kids came up. He's 13 year old bass player, and he goes, "Can we do an Iggy Pop song?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Kids asking for the Stooges, huh? You know yeah. it. Oh you my know god. It. That's incredible. Uh, and Christian, I got to ask you about the bass playing on this album because I'm a bass player and I'm a huge fan of Geddy Lee and Chris Squire mm-hmm. and John Entwistle, and the, the great bass players. And, and fortunately, I got to meet and hang out with Chris Squire and he was just as amazing as you could imagine. Um, this particular song, God from the Machine, this one has an interesting, if there is any Chris Squire influence in the bass playing on this particular song, it's actually... One of my favorite eras of Yes music, which is actually the Rabin era of Yes in the 1980s. I hear a bit Nailed of... It. You're so on it. Hold you're, on. You're, is this hold I on from 9125? Your ears are wide open, man. That's great. I'm so glad because I was awesome. I was nervous because when you bring up Rabin era, yes, sometimes it's a little divisive, and so I wanted. No, 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 no. I I don't care much for big generator, but 90125 is just masterpiece. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. It is. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, And uh, so to have that have that bass come in and be very simple but Mm -hmm. very strong. Just it should be said that Squire is the is the inspiration hands down across the whole record. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is he is certainly my favorite bass player of all time. His tone, his choices, um, his his uh, ability to work his way up the neck and 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 take us to that next place. But for but but you hit it for me to just go bump, go gunk, 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 gunk. and just and and just pocket into that six eight groove yeah um uh it was important to me to to make that happen um and uh <laughs> it should be said it should be said when that same six eight groove switches to double time at the end yeah that's a that's a direct nod to kevin gilbert um, oh wow yeah um and so if your audience is listening and you know those you know. who know you know um <laughs> About incredible. Kevin Gilbert, and, yeah. he's incredible. and and so that uh, God, what is the? It's the, it, it's, it's God. It's one of the songs on "Shaming the True," mm-hmm. uh, and where he it's right in the middle of the record, um, and he shifts from from that slow six eight to this to the fast six eight. Uh, I was like, man, that's bitching. I got to use that. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and this song uh, happened to support that. Is there any aspiration to perform this entire thing live? Do, is I, there any yes, plans for I dream about it. I just <laughs> love. But the thing is, is in order to get it represented, uh, uh, it requires a, 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 a more musicians than we can afford right now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> 
But I actually went around because I've uh, been talking to a couple of people and there was enough of a, of a, just a little bit of tickle in their, in, in, in their craw to, to, to say, maybe we can. And yeah. so I started looking at it. And I think that there, there might be a way to play a, a good percentage of the, of these tunes live, but you know, we're, at this point, uh, you know, we are all recovering from various things that, that are COVID related. Also, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the death of my father was, it still has a fallout and re resolving yeah. the estate and, you know, that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. to take the time and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and sort of put that that effort into what it would take to get everybody in a room because it, it it's not going to happen in a day everybody's going to have to practice and practice a lot um, yeah yeah get, right um what would you play oh i'm sorry cersei go ahead i think we're definitely ruminating upon it and i think we will try and approach it eventually if nothing else maybe doing a streaming version of it once we can figure out how to get everybody monitoring together you get uh, Paul Melanson and Robbie Rist for background uh, vocals to harmonize with you, Cersei. And I see, I've got this all worked out. I'm working on the no. architecture whole thing. As I, Why do they have to be male, please? <laughs> well, that's well, true. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, don't, you don't have a lot of ladies in the prog world, I got to say. <laughs> but then, uh, Christian, have you thought about how you would handle, uh, like, what post you would take uh, in a live show of Cosmological? Would you play both bass and six-string guitar? or No, what, what I, would would not play, I would not play bass. I mean, I would love to play bass, but if I did, I would play bass on the whole thing, and yeah. I don't want to play bass on the whole thing. I want to play guitar. So, <clears throat> uh, for instance, I did figure out a way, and I can I can cover it if I had bass and keys and drums, just a four-piece um, uh, on, a, on a double neck, uh, mm -hmm. I can do architecture pretty mm -hmm. much the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, so uh, that that's coming across. Um, and so that was inspirational to be just like, wait, maybe I can do this. Maybe more of these things can be pulled off with mm -hmm. a, with a smaller band. But of course, you know, I, I'm always also a fan of the tubes in their, in their heyday. Yeah. And, you know, they had, two guitarists and two keyboardists and, and, you know, destroying rhythm section hmm. and, and a killer front man in fee. Um, and to have all that instrumentation to choose from and everybody is a monster player, you know, that's, that's sort of my cream dream right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the only requirement. If you end up performing it live is make sure to give me enough advance notice so I can make airline reservations to come out and see it. <laughs> Man, yeah. if we do it, it'll take a year to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> so t can you tell me anything about the sequel? We talked about that a little at the at the top. Is, is there anything that you can reveal about uh, the next Prague album? Yeah, it's harder. Is it? It's more difficult. Oh, it's more difficult. Okay, I thought you were going to say, I thought you meant no, harder. No. Like by, hard yeah. no, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> much more difficult because uh, uh of uh, second album syndrome. Well, you don't want to repeat yourself, you know. Yeah, you know exactly. And so, <clears throat> so with the with Cosmologica, I had all these, as I said, bits and bobs and pieces and motifs and what mm -hmm. have you sitting around that I've been sitting on for years. Yeah. Um, and so, just like a you know, when you hear a a, a debut record by a band that's great, mm -hmm. um, and then there's the the follow up album that is like. Yeah, that's that's okay. It's okay, but not <laughs> like that first record, boy. Um, it's it, it's so common to have that second uh, that that sophomore blues um, uh, 
and that's what I'm I'm kind of dealing with uh, is making sure that we're not we're not repeating ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's you know we're looking at a little bit longer in construction. Uh, but also, Cersei is just now. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, Cersei is just now starting to get really into the to the meat and potatoes of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, yes, that's what I was going to ask. Which all, which now, which will definitely change uh, arrangement and structure and and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. All, all for the good, because then I go, oh, man, I missed that. I Thank you very much. And, you know, I'm going to slice this entire section out and move it up front. You know, that yeah. things like that happen all, all the time. Because it's art, we, we don't put any, I mean, we want to get it out in a timely manner. But, uh, again, we're not making content. We're making art. So we really put ourselves through the paces of, does it sound great? Yeah. Does it stand up to the other stuff? Is it something that we feel is an improvement or uh, is taking us further down the road is is delighting us still mm-hmm. instead of phoning it in or just repeating ourselves? We've made a couple albums in the past. I mean, I think we got a dozen now, something like yeah. that of original records. And <clears throat> there are a couple in there, which will we'll, we'll, we'll remain nameless, uh, <laughs> that, we're, that, that we go, you know what? We just could have been better. Just didn't quite hit it on those records. Um and I, I just don't want to be there on that. And so it's going to take as long as it takes to make mm-hmm. sure that, that this is something I can go, I am definitely proud of this record. Yeah, there is no bullshit on Cosmologica. Uh, Rick yeah. Wakeman famously complained about Tales from Topographic Oceans that there was a lot of bluffing or however I gotta you tell you, it. I agree with him. Yeah. I agree with him. Yeah. yeah, a lot of filling like time. It. Like, we okay, we got to fill up an entire side with this song. So let's fill up this entire side uh, without any sort of guide as far as what to fill it up with. But with Cosmologica, it is like everything everything makes sense. Everything works in it. And uh, that's one of the many uh, myriad aspects of this album that's so great. Yeah, there's no fat on that record. Yeah. And... and um, uh, you know, your, your, your acknowledgement of, of tales, you know, I, sometimes I feel like that record is just, you know, uh, there's probably 20 minutes of that record. If you put it all together, maybe even more of just opportunities for Steve Howe to noodle. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, the and I know that I, some, you, you know, some of your listeners are going to come just, <laughs> You know, gunning for me. I um, well, I think, I think everyone agrees to an extent with that assessment. Yeah. But it's good noodling. And so that's as an artist, you also have to uh, censor yourself. You have to mm. sometimes go back and go, oh, I love that section. But you know what? I already did probably 15 minutes too much of that. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, you have to admire the ambition of it. And that's how I kind of think of Tales from Topographic Oceans, a, a, an album that had a ton of ambition. Didn't always work, but uh, overall, I admire the fact that they, you know, uh, stepped out and tried, as John Anderson said, tried to put the Bible to music. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I think the first six, seven minutes of the of the first side is destroying. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. You know? Yeah, it is. One of the greatest themes. That's, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that, I mean, that's just, are you kidding? That's, right, a, that's right. exactly what Yes is about. And so, well, um, suffice to say, I'm going to continue pushing this album on my audience, uh, whether they like it or not, because I, I believe in it so much. It is truthfully among my top five favorite prog albums of all time, if not my favorite. It has really risen to that level. Literally everything I love about prog rock 
is in this recording and there's not a weak song on the entire thing. And that's going back to our discussions about bluffing a second ago. Mm -hmm. There is not a weak moment on this entire thing. So congratulations on this piece of music. It is wonderful uh, in so many different ways. And I, I wish you both the most immense success with this. And of course, the upcoming sequel, which now I'm going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be watching yeah. the clock, uh, looking forward to this name? one. Yeah. No. Do you want to no, drop the name? No, she's not going to drop it. No, because no, oh, I'm working on the okay. theme. I don't want right. to right. let the cat out of the bag. But I do want to say thank you for being such an amazing listener and for supporting musicians of all stripes. It takes people like you to turn each of us on to each other. It's community. It's yeah. art is about community and supporting each other and being excited for each other. And I, I really value that. Thank you so much for taking the time, not just for us, but for all the other um, musicians that you feature on your show. Thank Fantastic. you again. And and I would love to talk to you again some point, uh, certainly Anyone when can? it comes to the next recording, whether it's the sequel, the prog sequel, or yeah. something else that you're working on. Just let me know. Keep me updated. And uh, you've got an open invitation to, to come yeah, back well, if you get excited about any of the earlier records and you go, oh, you know what? Let's talk about this. And we're happy to show up. Thank you both again. Take care. Sell